0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Mile RPG, episode number 80. Woo. I'm your host, Brendan Carey, and today I'm joined by the one the only Richie motherfucking buzzkill. What up, player? Not much, man. Just uh here uh on the dials, so. we got on the dials. We got we got fucking uh, Richie Buzzkill on the Behringer, fucking killing it on the Behringer, <laughs> w- working the pots. Yeah, all right, the pots and the fader. Got one fader. Yeah, all right, cool, fader. cool, good. Uh, we also got Ashley. What up, Ashley? How you doing?
1: I am fantastic. I do not have technology in front of me. You
0: have a phone. That's,
1: I do. I it's have like, a phone like and a microphone. It's
0: more computer than like on the spaceship. That's true. I can fly to the moon yeah, with the, my phone. The moon. That's yes. all you need. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, Ashley. Thank you. Welcome back. Thanks. Today we're joined by someone very special very 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 special it's my good buddy william william what up how you doing player? hey
2: brendan hey listeners how you doing glad to be here long time listener first time caller
0: first first <laughs> okay. time coming in uh william and i met at uh what the game club right yeah, game it, club. i think we did free rpg day a couple of years back and you came out yeah. for that and you played <laughs> in my like shitty uh elric elric game yeah that was uh, yeah okay. <laughs> was, oh wow! I was going to wow, defend thanks. it a little bit, and then thanks. I was like, ah, no, maybe not. I kind of put it out there for you to defend it, and then you were just like, oh, I actually was, and you know, no, it, 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 since you know, it's honesty time, no, it was I, pretty I, shitty, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's harken uh, harken back to an
3: old episode, but uh, yeah, uh, no, I I had fun, so I just think you you kind of denigrate it all the time. So I love
0: I love that I, I love Elric, and I actually really enjoyed that particular game. That's like what you know how you think about the sessions that you've role played there's like many many of them and you don't remember many of them but that one i remember for some reason it was a good time um so guys what's up how's everybody doing good good Tips. glad to be here just Glad to be here. Just another day above ground, right, William? That's right. Yeah, uh, and not Good. somewhere else. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Like, uh, you know, the wow. listeners are like, "Who is William?"
2: I, uh, originally from Colorado, lived in uh, Seattle area for twenty five years. Came down here about, uh God, what is it now seven years ago? Gaming background was old, whatever, original AD and D back in the day. Did a little bit of Gamma World, Top Secret, all those. You know, late when I was a late teen or mid teen, all those things, and then got out of gaming for about 13, 14 years, you know, discovered quote unquote girls, you know, then got married and then, you know, teetered towards divorce, redis- rediscovered gaming. Wow. This is, this this is, is
0: like the Gone with the Wind. It's like with a saga. <laughs> it's a saga. So much has happened.
2: Yep. Volume one. Exactly. Excellent. I mean, it's a lot. A lot of it's you know, a lot of the crunchier games, D and D, Pathfinder, and it's sort of recently gravitated to the you know the less rulesy games.
0: Yeah, like we, we were all like super surprised to learn that uh, you're this uh, Pathfinder guy. Like I've known you as being like this like super cool like narrative gamer player, and then it turns out you actually have this like horrifying like Pathfinder secret in your backstory, which was news to me. But I think don't we all, right? Mm.
1: Yeah, I think Pathfinder, it's like D&D, and then Pathfinder, and then it opens the gate to all of the other games that you can discover.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I did some Pathfinder, I did some time in Pathfinder land. I mean, that's kind of a thing, is the availability
2: of people to play. Those are the, pot, you know, it's easy to get a group, especially if you're moving around, you can't get a, tri- you know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's some Pathfinder now somewhere that would disagree. Any <laughs> moving on. Uh, So, guys... People of the table. What um, what are we playing? What's the new shit? What's everybody been playing? Who wants to start? Ashley, why don't you start?
1: Okay. Um, well, out of my million games since the last time I was on, uh, the one I am very, very excited about was the monsters and other childish things that uh, Daryl's running over at the Monster Monday. And we got to use the Combat this week, which was very cool. It's based on the one-roll one engine system. I think it's, yeah. Tell one us one about one it. So... You have your monster, and each of the areas on the monster have numbers assigned to them. So what you do when you roll your dice to try and hit this monster, uh, or whoever it is that you're attacking, you try and make pairs. So you roll, let's say, seven dice to try and attack. In our case, it was a bowl of soup that was actually a monster. So to attack this bowl of soup, I was like, okay, my monster is going to use these seven dice, because that's how many I put into his claws, um, to attack this soup. So when you roll however many pairs you get that's who gets to go first and uh the like say you get a pair of fives whatever the five is on that monster that's what you attack so it's very hard to explain but once you get into it it's very cool it's very different from any other system that i've played sounds like fun yeah it was awesome Awesome. i liked it a lot so that was the main one um the homebrew that it was the girl's first time running uh that one we got further into it's it's interesting it's like magic is just coming into the world and so we have to be secretive about it and all of that so um she's again still doing a great job running it but Mm -hmm. it's kind of our spooky game for the halloween season but yeah so that's pretty much what i've been playing
0: sounds good i dig it william what you got not
2: been playing a lot since i haven't been to role-playing club in a while yeah Mm -hmm. and let's see
0: oh Uh, playing uh, club
2: I mean, we played we played briefly a play test the other day when we had the meeting, but again, that
0: oh was yeah, right, vale. did a little tiny play test of Solemn Vale. Whoops, I was in on that too, so that kind of yes, counts. Yes, That's double yes, loop for me. Hey, Mark Kelly, you listening, buddy, we play tested Silent Vale. Ha-ha! Anyway, go ahead. we did. Yep, yep. liked liked the setting. You know,
2: obviously, we didn't get too deep into the rules or anything, and so there was we were discussing it. But the setting seemed to be the best part of that system so far. I uh,
0: I'm really into that setting. I did get a great deal. And so is that it? Is that, is that all you played? I see, yeah, you, got, I see you got some Disciples of Shadows material yep, in front Disciples
2: of you. Disciples of Boy and Shadow, reading it. It's a solo <laughs> RPG, can be played, and I think it's previously discussed. Uh, and actually, a special episode with Brendan had with the author. Yeah. Uh, read 15 pages, haven't played it yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how you get the solo RPG and you're like, at last, I'll have time for gaming, and then you're like, no. No, still don't have time for gaming. <laughs> Still no time. Anyway. Speaking of
3: no time. Oh, God, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, I didn't.
0: No. Oh, (laughs) oh, Bomberville. Come on, man. For reals? Yeah. Nothing? Not a single session? No, well, the Silent Veil, like. Solemn Vale Solemn Vale Yeah Okay hey Well you know what That's cool yeah. um, More time for me To talk about What I've been playing yeah. um, So we did the Solemn Vale Playtest That was interesting And then uh, I ran a couple uh, Playtests of Ravenous Down at Rincon So I'll just kind of Take this second We'll just Talk about Rincon A second uh, Rincon is a uh, Convention in Tucson Arizona It's like it's always been marketed to me as being, like, a role-playing convention, but as role-playing conventions are starting to it really, at this point, just feels like it's half board games, half role-playing. So, um, I've heard, like, a lot about this convention, but it wasn't until I was listening to uh, Diceology, which is uh, Mad J. Brown's podcast that I recommend you listen to, and he had Camden Wright on. And he, he apparently Camden Wright has, like, a really just, like, aggressive touring schedule of the little cons. And uh, Mad J asked him, um, so what's your favorite? And he goes, oh, definitely Rincon. And I'm like, what the fuck? This guy does like 20 cons a year or something, and his favorite is the one that's like an hour from my house. I was like, I'm not going. I should definitely go. So I made a point to get down there this year, ran two sessions of Ravenous, and I just had a blast. I hate to toot my own horn here too much, but uh, I thought ravenous went really well i was very pleased with the results that i got out of it i just really want to say give some shout outs really fast to some of my players uh alex sean adam Catherine, jim and kelly thank you for the two sessions of ravenous i had a blast and there were no there were no bad characters no bad games it was just it was just a lot of fun and um like the kind of stuff that i've been doing with ravenous lately has really kind of just re-inspired my like love of role-playing i've been like it's, just, it's, 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 it's gotten me excited about role-playing again, so I just started writing a uh, Shadowrun campaign for my, my chums, the Dungeon Punks chums, over in Jolly Old UK, so shout out to them as well. Uh, while I was down at Rincon, I was able to get an interview with Mark Diaz Truman, so that will be coming out soon. And then our good friend uh, Michael, who is going to be joining us on the show here in a couple weeks... He was able to interview Brendan Lasalle from Goodman Games, and uh, Brendan Lasalle. Oh my God, that guy's a character. That
3: that guy that guy is one of the greatest GMs I've ever played with. He he just has so much energy. Like he's one of these guys that stands up the whole game. He he has like his little podium table that he's right next to, and he's just like super excited about whatever thing you're gonna do. Like it's great.
0: He's he's brilliant. I only got to interact with him for a little while, but he's just it's uh it's. You can just tell what a gift to the role playing community he is. Um, I hope you'll check out that interview when we're able to post it. Uh, And then uh, my girlfriend and I went to dinner with my homie Alex at El Charos for down in fucking Tucson. You gotta check out El Charo; that's some good shit. And uh, I was really kind of lucky to hang out with uh, Daryl from Monster Mondays and Adam Maxwell from the Wrecking Crew. It was great hanging out to with those guys and getting to know them a little bit better. Um, Adam, what did I say? You said Maxwell. Well. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just said his last name. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Adam Maxwell. Right from the Wrecking Crew. Um. Yeah. Anyway. So. Uh. And then and then Jason Corley. I gotta say, Jason Corley was down there, and he was telling you about this game called uh, Dangerous Times. Are you guys familiar with this? Mm, Apparently, this. it was on uh, Kickstarter or something, and you can get you can get the PDF for it. It's like it was one of those little Kickstarter zines. And his pitch for it, because Corley, the guy's fucking brilliant. If you ever get a chance to sit at a Corley table, I've never said this before, but I'm just going to say it again. His pitch for it was fucking brilliant. It's like you are, it's like the 1920s, and you're a reporter, and you're, and the, and the GM, and it's like there's like limited magic in the world. So there's like a little bit of magic. And then the, the, the GM is like an editor who like drops a story, and then you've got to like, you like do the legwork on the story. Right? <laughs> nice. And then. You, you 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 change around the table everybody takes turns playing the people who are being interviewed so it's like you could be like the mob boss or like the newspaper boy or all kinds of all kinds the secretive wizard all kinds of cool shit and I'm just like fuck man uh, i'm very excited for dangerous times so
2: hopefully that will that sounds like an absolute fantastic game for someone who likes to do accents oh
0: yeah, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 we forgot about williams number one claim to fame the uh the uh, accent connoisseur. The the, you know, the con- as long as you're a connoisseur of only one thing, which is the vaguely New York accent that, that every accent turns into when William does it. Thanks for that, by the way. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that to many of my games, all of my games. All right, so um, enough out of me. I guess we're on to what have we purchased? Did you manage to pick anything up, Ashley? What'd you get?
1: I did. I picked up. Um girl underground from uh exalted funeral i saw that they had that and so i picked that up and i am super excited about that my first fandom as a tiny child was wizard of oz and the labyrinth i grew up with that shit so i'm really excited to get into this book and see what i can put together for my friends to run for them so yeah I have yeah. read like very briefly a little bit of it and I'm pretty excited, but I haven't gotten into it, Is too it
2: deep. the motif on that sort of a blend of Alice in Wonderland and Oz or yeah, yeah. what what's the I had read it, but I don't remember the exact uh, you know mm-hmm.
1: you yeah know pitch. it's like uh, Wizard of Oz Labyrinth um Alice in Wonderland uh there's S- Spirited away I think it's an anime w- I've never I don't watch anime so <laughs> it's an anime type
2: my so. new favorite millennial person.
1: <laughs> I'm an old millennial, yes, but I, I, so I'm not familiar with that aspect of it, but yeah. So uh, it sounds like everyone takes turns playing the girl, so everyone gets their own character, and they also all take turns playing the girl at different points. So it seems really cool. I'm excited to get into it and see what it's about.
0: It's uh, t- to your to your your point, William. It's a what they call I think the genre that the writers call is a, like a lost girl story. Yeah. Where it's like a lost girl who's in a fantasy land and then she has mythological companions that are like that are accompanying her on a quest. And when you're not playing the girl, you're playing one of the companions. Um, I, it's a PBTA game, so it's mm. like you have to kind of like relearn how to role play. Yeah. But I would be very happy to show you PBTA, so we should work that out sometime. Um, you know, go ahead, say what yeah, you I,
1: um I got to play a little bit of PBTA. It was the first oh. time actually at uh a convention i was at a little bit ago what Um, was
0: it what was the game
1: i fuck i don't remember what it was called Oh no it was
0: the demigods
1: Uh, demigods is pbta is it okay so that was pbta one of the it was actually jason and all those guys that i got to hang out with oh was it great
0: american novel or something so it
1: was not great american novel by chris gray right right Yeah, yeah no i didn't get to play that one um but it was a like a zombie one it was a pbta zombie one was
0: it zombie world
1: Yes. Was okay. it cards? Yeah. Oh, that's
0: Magpie. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Mark S. Truman. Magpie. That one
1: was that one was a lot of fun. That was pretty cool. Cool. So yeah, yeah. great. Very interesting. Very yeah. lightly familiar, but I want to get more into. It oh, sure. interesting.
0: Yeah, so. I'm fascinated. I want to hear more about <laughs> Zombie World at some point. Uh, what up with uh, what up with you, uh, William? Have you uh, pur- have you purchased anything? Uh, yeah,
2: I've I've got that part of the thing. On justify lockdown. your existence <laughs> justify by
0: buying.
2: Uh, yes, that is. I am. I am a. You know, a, a, a consumer of <laughs> captive of my society and genre. And I, I, I buy a lot of games of which we'll never play. Be playing? Oh right, play clearly not. Least. But uh, <laughs> play you know, them. And I I'm, just, I'm building my <laughs> funeral pyre. I don't know what you're talking about. Like <laughs> that makes me feel better. Yeah, ish. Anyway, yes. Uh, in addition, in addition to disciples of bone and shadow and other things I can't remember right now, I bought a game called Beyond the Firelight. It's a storytelling game of folklore and horror. Is I've this got, your review? Yep, yeah, this is my. No, review. you should
0: save it for another time. We can but do anyway. the review.
2: But yeah, we'll, we, we'll yeah we'll pour into that later. If sure. I, it is which sort of segues into what. Ashley's talking about with, it's not an Apocalypse World game, but it's another system that's sort of, it's even more narrative than Apocalypse World.
0: What system is it? It's
2: not Forged in the Dark, is it? No, it is not. It's its own system called the Chronology Engine Game System. So is that it's,
0: Microscope? Is that the same thing as Microscope?
2: I think this is the only game i found that uses this system.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your review. So kind of just uh, give us the high notes.
2: Uh, The high notes are, yeah, again, very, uh, very story. It's basically, you you can, it's designed to be played in any setting that is non-modern. It's basically this, the pitch is it, it's all about folklore, except in the shadowed earth, which is the overarching setting of anywhere you set any of these campaigns is uh, earth, but folklore is in some ways real. So, the idea is, is the the scenarios are basically take you into a certain part of history and, and base using that particular part of histories and cultures folklore. You know, dive into it with a scenario that can be a, from three acts to many acts. That said, the game basically focuses on you know colonial America is where they said a lot of this in, in colonial. You know, are basically pre United States North America.
0: Huh. Interesting. Neat. Yeah, where'd you get it?
2: I got it off of uh, Drive Through RPG. It's PDF only now. Uh, There's also the game publisher you can purchase from their type their site, Mystic
3: Throne Entertainment. Hmm.
0: All right, cool. We look forward to your full review in a future episode, Ricardo.
3: What you got? (laughs) So the uh, the Kickstarter kickstarters are being delivered, and that's huzzah! Yeah, (laughs) hooray! Well, yes. Oh wow! <laughs> so first, I'm gonna at the top. I'm gonna put the most exciting thing is I, oh the most exciting thing is I was able to get the cyberpunk red.
0: Yeah, I like how that's start. the most exciting thing, and it's like buried under all this shit. Well, You're like, that's it's the most I... exciting thing here. It's I don't even care about it. Well, that no, is it... the most exciting thing you post about it on Facebook. Yeah, which is weird for me, but
3: uh, <laughs> I I got that. I finally got the call from uh, Game Depot that they had them in or had one in for me. I didn't see any (laughs) more. I didn't see any more. So anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, Great. I saw
1: you and Daryl kind of fighting over it. uh, Well,
3: he was was giving me shit is what it was doing. I
1: was
0: going to rush down there and try and grab one, but then I was like... Come on, yeah, come on, bro, L- but-
2: listeners, listeners. You cannot see RBK's face, but it's, it is that quintessential child at Christmas time. I've never actually seen actual unadulterated joy in this man's face. It's usually <laughs> it's usually very tempered joy, and like I'm happy now, but I, I, I
3: suspect that something in, in a few moments is going to make me happy. But this is just joy. Well, I, I'm super excited that I finally have it, and I'm going to run it as soon as my as soon as my schedule clears up. That is the next thing I'm running, and then. Uh, Goodman Games uh, delivered their uh, DCC annual volume one, and I got I I also got the Chained Coffin with that. So they have a super sweet. Uh, they accidentally sent me the uh, special edition cover.
1: Oh no! What a horrible mistake! Yeah, it's, 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 a <laughs> awesome.
3: be- it's a beautiful. You should send it back, and yeah, I should be like, <laughs> I paid for a cheaper volume. Right. Thank you. Uh, but it's it's gorgeous, and the also the. Uh, they, they put, a, like, a sleeve around it, which is pretty
0: nice. Yeah, it's kind of, like, reminiscent of when you were a kid and you had to wrap your books in, in paper. Remember that? Right.
1: <laughs> like grocery bags, and then you got to color on them and stickers and shit.
0: Yeah. You got to draw pentagrams because you were, like, yeah. Hail Satan.
1: Right, exactly. Or Lisa Frank, whatever.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Neon.
0: Adventure. I mean, the
2: book is <laughs> – RBK showed us the book is – I mean, it is beautiful. It looks – I mean, it's – I've got book envy, serious book envy over this <laughs> – Publication he's flashing before
3: us. And, and then the chain coffin is kind of a uh, like a I would call it like a adventure path that, though that's not what they call it which is it's a series of p- paths but there is a uh, a really cool uh, oh, uh, oh, wow. uh, oh fuck it's, that's it's so t- cool it, well it comes out of there you can pull that off it, it. comes out yeah yeah it's in a sleeve oh, you can pull it out of the sleeve and, and you basically get it's a player aid it's like one of those really cool like game masters decided to make the puzzle lock. In in uh, person, to, so you- to
0: describe what we're seeing, it's like a series of like concentric uh, circles, and they each and they're they're lined with uh, sigils and runes, and then you can obviously twist them around to like match them up to create different combinations, and this is the kind of fucking shit that just makes you want to flip out yeah right because it's oh god though so fun when you when you
3: throw that on the table all the players are like what (laughs) yeah and from what i understand that actually controls a dungeon from what i understand oh no so um but the the setting is super cool too it's uh it's (laughs) supposed it's kind of loosely based on the appalachian mountains so is it yeah it's it's uh I was reading the uh, background fluff and it was really cool. So I thought
0: it was kind of the Ravenloft offering. I've, I've, I've. I mean, the in the box set version, I've toyed with buying that like a number of times, just never have. But I mean, I don't know, man. The more I hang out with like DCC guys and the more I just interact with DCC, the more I realize I need to get on that level. It's kind of, it's kind of sad and pathetic that like I just haven't done as much with it as I really should have. Should have.
3: Well, and and I, they do beautiful work. It's um, true. So, and then this gigantic box over here, Savage Worlds New Edition. The uh,
0: this is this second edition. The
3: event, no, third edition. Event Adventures av- Edition. Uh, that. That finally shipped to me a little later than I think a lot of people, but I got the uh, I got the deluxe the the essentials box set, which is a hilarious thing to call it an essentials
0: <laughs> box set. This uh, the essentials uh, I got the, here are the essentials. It's got like nine hundred additional things <laughs> you definitely do not need to play the game. So you have got
3: you know you can have your powers described on cards, right? So essential, essential. Yeah. You have a a, a make an, a make an adventure deck, clearly essential, clearly essential. Uh, status uh, cards. Oh, so, well, of course. Very essential, <laughs> right? My God. And and then uh, they have a really... <laughs> Someone at Paizo was very
2: upset that they didn't do this. <laughs> what right? do you mean
0: they didn't do this? They, they invented this format. Well, well they invented
2: it, but they didn't put it into a box and call it essential.
0: Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Touché. Touché, on
3: And then they have, because of Savage Worlds, the initiative works on giant cards oh, or wow. on cards, so they gave you a giant deck of thematic
0: uh question are you going to actually use them or are they too beautiful to use be real
3: no i'll probably use those because okay, i good have man. well toys yeah because i don't have i have like three or four other savage worlds theme deck including the well no i it started oh, I'm sorry I'm oh. no no it started with uh oh. deadlands which is my oh. which is my favorite okay. and i've got two uh, poker decks that are really cool and i've i've used the hell out of those and then it just like random over time i just haven't thrown (laughs) i I haven't moved those on so i want to break into the love hate uh thing that we have going on on the other
2: side here and talk about these cards they're they're beautiful looking cards but they're they're like three inches by four
3: inches i mean if you have giant hands these would be
2: great they're
1: not quite tarot size for my small hands
3: they're wider than they're like tarot tall but wider than tarot
0: yeah. yeah, I think they'll be easier to to shuffle. That's what you know how they make like Gigantor sh- sh- cards for like old dudes in nursing homes to shuffle because it's, it's easier. <laughs> don't a don't personally attack me about my age. <laughs> B, hey, like, remember when attacking. you were in the game room with uh with uh you know oh, shit? I can't, I'm fucking bombing. I can't do it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, forget it. <laughs> all right, I that went
2: that went somewhere. Uh, no. Anyway, but, yeah, the, the art <laughs> on the, the the cards is beautiful. But again, I I guess I I don't think. I have small hands, but apparently people that have small hands these days don't think they have small hands.
0: I don't know what that means. Are uh, you okay? Are you you having an aneurysm? Sure. Uh, I feel like that's like an aneurysm, right? Uh, yeah. guys, you just heard the f- first aneurysm on a podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll,
2: I'll I'll post it about on an Insta for you, Brendan, yes, so please. you so you uh, so you can
0: grok it. I'm not aware of anything that's not on Insta, as I'm sure <laughs> William will point out endlessly over the course of this. I, I'm episode. pulling his Gen X didn't, didn't, didn't they uh, give
3: you some other shit there, RBK? Yeah, yeah. So there's a game master's uh, like micro mini screen, like a half a screen.
0: Uh, so I love these sure. new style screens yeah. that are that are uh, about half as tall as the old ones.
3: Which is much better. So much better. And then there's the world-building Game Master's oh Guide. Oh, my Jesus. Right? Oh, wow. And then there's... The mini settings book.
0: Oh, mini so, settings. I so, kind of want to see that before I leave, but not—I mean, not right this second. But. Okay. <laughs> and then kind like, of doing a podcast right now, Richard. are you, <laughs> yeah. where, are you aware of that? <laughs> no, I'm not.
3: This is an unboxing.
0: Uh, and, 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 and then there's like a flame template,
3: like you're playing Warhammer. Well, so Savage Worlds can be played with or without minis. So they uh, they have little plastic templates for the different power uh, power sizes, and then there's because, of course, games now, because of Fantasy Flight, have to have counters in some way. So <laughs> th- if you can use that in, in another way. And then there's like some... You didn't
0: reference. even show us your clay chips. There's oh, the a yeah. whole fucking baggie of clay chips. Are yeah. they really clay? Do they feel they're good? There, they're clay. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. No. Well,
3: that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah so, I do like that. So these are for the bennies and, yeah. uh, in Savage World. So... I mean you can that's hear, a very satisfying th- click yeah hear that click on the microphone so,
0: so uh tell me richard what's uh what's a box like that cost on Kickstarter these days
3: uh the box I think I all total I think I spent 150 that's
0: what I was kind of guessing that was in my head that and, was and then head guess
3: basically this is this box apparently is 150 retail but it doesn't come with the uh the book what
0: so <laughs> you okay. can buy that box full of stuff. But it does not come with the game. It doesn't come with the game. It's just
1: the box. It's not the things in the box. The box
3: is $150. No. It's very nice cardboard. Oh, wow. It's the the most premium cardboard. But there's a lot of stuff in that box. Um,
2: Go go ahead. By all means. But uh, it's, you know, and it's... You know, we'll, let's move past the whole Essentials title. That's the only silly part of it I see so far. You know, looking at that box and, and understanding oh, it, a lot
0: of those and are, some peripherals. <laughs> of those uh, are Oh, and then it came with a polyhedral set. Huzzah. With, with custom D6s. Yeah. Mm. Do, do, they, do they work? Yeah, Richard. Sure. Do they have all yeah, the numbers on yeah, them? Yeah, they have all the did numbers. Did you inspect them to make sure they have all of the pips? <laughs> yeah. Jesus.
3: I And I did apologize to Alan on when I interviewed him. So go, go see that uh, in the feed.
2: So there are a lot of peripherals in this box, and we all agree that this is an all absolutely essential with the Smalley. You know, obviously, even looking at the book, even... The regular book, it was like, hey, this looks like a fairly rules-intensive system. And for someone that's moving towards more mentalism, you're a fan of the system, Richard. You know, tell me on it why why I would want to spend time learning this system when I've spent time in the past learning Pathfinder or D&D. And and I don't, you know, it's like I'm kind of, eh, about another rules-intensive system. I like it because
3: it is a pulp adventure system. So everything is, you can, like, go from one genre to another with you know, they have all the supplements out to go from. I'm sure you could equate it to like the Palladium or Gerp's st- uh, style, where but everything works together unlike those systems. So if I pick up,
0: <laughs> Kevin C. Bead is like, what? Well, <laughs> what, sir? <laughs> I'm sure. I wrote every book by hand.
3: Right, uh, but this this system because it's built to be a pulp adventure system, and they actually this this version. I started to read the rule section has they've taken a lot of the the random pluses and minuses out and they just said Game Master you know what you're doing go with you <laughs> so whatever a, a, that's a lot of the pluses are mine because there used to be in previous versions a whole like the whole Game Master screen was almost all pluses and minuses to add to roles so this edition they did away with that but I love uh, Doomtown and Deadlands, and uh, I just, I like this kind of like... What about Rippers? Do you also like Rippers? I actually have never
0: played Rippers
3: or or anything, but I've heard good things.
2: I bought first
0: edition Rippers when it was brand new, never played it. Bought it, sold it, because that's what I do.
2: Right. I mean, the Weird Weird Wars Rome setting, that looks interesting from the picture on the box. It's, you know, I like the ancient world, so... I can see what you're saying, the appeal of if you learn this one rule system, you can apply it at different settings. You don't got to learn another big convoluted system.
3: Right. So that's that's why I like that. And I also like supporting the, uh, Pinnacle Entertainment is a local local design house. Uh, they actually employ multiple people. Uh, they are at Shansley, does great work, and I really enjoy uh, making sure that that company is still around.
1: I like the Deep Space Nine on the side there oh, In between the, the Rome and the Ripper's thing there's a deep space is that say the last parsec
3: yeah the last parsec okay. which is their like sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, you know high high science fiction setting
0: gotcha. Cool. Well, thank you, Richard. That is a very exciting haul. Um, It was a bit of a come-up for me as well uh, this this time around. Uh, I got some stuff, which is, you know, lately I haven't been getting a lot of stuff, but this time I got some stuff. So uh, I was hanging out with my good buddy William, and he had a copy of Mutant Crawl Classics role-playing game, hardcover, and he had been like, hey, I got an extra one of these. Did you want it? And then he gave me a fucking screaming deal on it. Screaming deal! So uh, I couldn't say no because, um, fucking Mutant Crawl Classics has just gone over like a house on fire at the, uh, Role playing club and like everybody who's played this game seems to like just rant and rave about it so um took it home I've only flipped through it but what I saw that I really liked because it's very different than other post-apocalypse role playing games it has a completely different take and has a completely different feel and it really kind of just made me want to run it I was like oh man this is actually kind of a shit uh which I didn't expect because it I'm, I'm big into like art and visuals and sometimes I'm without trying to sound crummy the uh MCC DCC like art aesthetic does not really speak to me directly but um, once I got into the core of the game, I was like, once I got their vibe, I was like, fuck yeah, this is rad. <laughs> then on uh, off of eBay, I actually got another Goodman game. This is an oldie but a goodie, long time ago. D twenty Ether Scope. This is the uh, revised second printing which is a uh, soft cover because I, I back in the day I had the old hardcover version. Uh, this is like a kind of cyberpunk, steampunk game. People who were hardcore D20, people may remember it, but I mean, I really had... Uh like a love of this campaign setting, I feel like you want to ask me a question.
3: Do, does it? Have you read uh, Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson? I can't say that I have. Okay, because that, it, that sounds it, very much like Diamond Age from Neil Stevenson.
0: I, maybe I should check it out. I mean, my, 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 my plate's pretty full, but I, I mean, I've been hearing about that book for a long time. Um, this game is kind of interesting. It has a this concept. There's kind of like a uh, there's kind of like a a net. There's like a there's like it's like a Victorian kind of like mm. interweb that is in the ether, and you okay. like you, you jack into the ether and then. Inside the ether, there's all this shit going on. Yeah, so I got a lot of love for this game, and I'm kind of like pouring through it, sort of toying with like how you might change it into something else, like how you might get rid of this kind of clunky D20 system, and maybe run it in a different way.
2: That game was uh, that setting slash game was written in the early '90s.
0: Oh no! This is during the the, the height of the D twenty era. Man, this is the oh, open gaming license okay. shit. Right, this is so. like uh, yeah. This is this is this is your typical OGL. So it's probably like two thousand four, I think. But the, let me,
2: let the me, ether let me see.
0: the ether acts
2: like the internet that basically you can. So I mean, I guess my question is 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 this basically cyberpunk eighteen eighty nine?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cyber it's, it's the the year is nineteen eighty four, but instead of uh, everything being all kind of eighties out, everybody's very Victorian looking and I like it. Okay, God, don't look at me weird. I
1: was just gonna <laughs> say nineteen eighty four is a really good year.
0: Uh, oh, oh, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Marijuana. No I'm kidding. Huh? <laughs> all right, so and then the last thing I got was uh was you know, okay, so I just couldn't get oh my god, what am I witnessing? It's just coming this? apart with the seams Oh, Second aneurysm on a podcast. Jesus Christ. It's, it's like. Oh. I didn't
2: even have my beer because I was worried about it spilling on R- Richie BK's product. His product? What? <laughs> what uh, the on,
3: fuck?
1: On, on my
2: You make it sound all scarfacey. It's all right. like, we're just like <laughs> it's his, his, his large pile of cocaine.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Lord. All right. So, anyway, I uh, picked up Zwyhander off of uh, Amazon because it's like. Yeah, I know. I'm always talking shit about Amazon. It's fucking dirt cheap on Amazon. It's like. It's like it's like thirty five bucks after tax, um, oh, wow. which is like it's like half off. And I've had my eye on Zweiender for quite a while. I'm a big fan of uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, 1st edition and 2nd edition, not so much 3rd edition, and I haven't gotten into the 4th edition. And when I I kind of watched this Kickstarter, I kind of watched the game develop, and I've always been kind of put off by the page count, I've always been put off by the price point, but when you see it for half off, you're just like, fuck, here's a game that I'm already like... I mean, seriously, when I was at Gen Con this last year, I walked past it like 8 times, and I was always like... Like uh, maybe I'll just get one on. when when you see a, a book of this magnitude for thirty five fucking bucks. I mean, Jesus Christ! In today's day and age, it's practically free. This is this is what they call a loss leader. You know what I'm saying? They are not making a lot of money on this thing. So I got that. I flipped through it. It's. A it's really fucking great. If you're a if you're a Wilford fan, then fuck man, this is this. I mean, I feel like it, oper- it, it, it inhabits a particular niche because I I when it was written, I don't think that they were thinking that there was gonna be a fourth edition. No, I was
2: right before. Yeah, sort of. It's like the spiritual successor to Wolfer.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, um, the guy who wrote it, uh, Daniel Fox, he's on the latest episode of um, uh, Vintage RPG and uh, Vintage RPG. If you're not listening to, is really great RPG podcast, and they interview him uh John Hambone interv- interviews him and um what he has to say about his development it took him 8 years to develop this game and he, had, he just like developed it out of love so i mean uh there's just like there's a lot of love between these covers so um i'm really looking forward to ripping into his Myhander Hander at some point so uh that's why bought that's why bought a lot of bi- big come ups a lot of fat rule books a lot of fatty rule books
1: what is this noise you guys keep making you woof 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 Warhammer fantasy roleplay is that what that is? Hey. Okay. for Okay. I was just, <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like a, a dog that's like barking but doesn't want to bark and it's kind of whisper barking. And I'm like, what is this noise you guys are making? And both well, of you did it. So it is
0: actually an amazing role playing game. Okay. Called Warhammer Fantasy Role Play. If you ever have the opportunity, I would highly recommend you yeah, playing. I love that game. You have
2: your you played indie, you know those very high fantasy games where you've, you're really out there with fairies and dragons. This is the opposite. Yeah. You're down in the muck as a peasant. You, you know, I think rat catcher is a starting career in that game. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, cool. like oh, I'm a rat catcher, and like oh, I'm a grave robber. I'm a <laughs> lamplighter. Like I'm a I'm a toll keeper. And it's, I mean, and it's a all pig about farmer. survival. And, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's
2: very it's basically feudal, feudalistic Middle Ages. The role playing game, and it's you think oh, that stuff, it, it, but it's fun. I mean, just oh, yeah, it's the fun. weird elements. And anyway, it's yeah. hard,
0: but it's fun. Yeah. It, it's hot. Anyway, anyway. Anyway, sure. whatever, whatever, man. I'm just fucking getting yeah, all worked up over here. <laughs> Save this gushing fest for another time. All right. So on to our new segment. but da, 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 da. It's called Patron Questions. This was a team member innovation from the one and the only RBK. And today we have a patron question from the homie Frustrated in Phoenix. Frustrated in Phoenix writes, Dear Abby... <laughs> that's that's a it's joke.
1: It's Ashley, not Abby.
0: That's uh, a, a, a joke for the olds.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: unfortunately volunteered to run a 5e campaign. After session zero, I am really annoyed with rules lawyering and min-maxing. What is the best way to handle that, considering I'm running this thing at work and can't just rage quit. There are a couple of people who have never played, which is ideal, but they are getting trampled by the people who have their character set it out before the game even starts. Sincerely, Frustrated in Phoenix.
1: Okay.
3: I think Session Zero is something we always preach about on this, is everybody makes their character at the table at the same time. I think that's that would be an excellent starting point, but you're already past that problem. The second thing is you, i think you have to kind of he
0: Richie's all like you already fucked it up frustrated phoenix <laughs> yeah yeah, you fucked, it up, fucked it up
3: you're done you're done get the fuck out you'll have to quit your job now and leave no it's not that bad but you have to be honest with them be like hey look this is this is not going re- either st- take the people aside that are like super uh getting in your face about stuff and uh, talk to them one-on-one and be like hey Look, we got some new people here. We can't. I, we we only have an hour break or a half hour break or whatever you're playing at work. <laughs> if you're playing at work, it's probably only half hour at max. So you kind of have to get in and get out of something really quickly. So I think you have to kind
0: of talk to people on the side. Problem, bro. Yeah. I actually know Fip, and here's his problem Twist. He works at a game store, he's running it at the game store. What do you do, Hotshot? Oh shit. What do right. you do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Oh I Richie Buzz goes like get this mic out of my hands? I, I, don't I don't care, nothing about I mean, that. A, I
2: mean, between Phipp's statement and Richie's you know, I wanna echo what he's saying, but yeah, first of all, he sort of sent me into a PTSD episode because I've been there, not at a game store or a work or a, a workplace, but I've been there where oh, this has gone sideways. Yeah. They're min maxing something. I and I, I I tried to design or choose a system that's non min maxi, but play is gonna play. So <laughs> I think Richie's right, you gotta take them aside or as a group saying, This isn't what I wanna run.
0: Yeah, but does not the fact that he is essentially an employee who's on the clock and he has to serve the well, the are interest these customers of the store.
2: or are these co-workers.
0: No, these are custies. Oh they're cut then, he's, oh, then he's, he's yeah, he's
2: yeah, he gotta do it. He, well, here's the
0: dance monkey dance. Here's my question <laughs> though. Here's my question, because this is the crux of his problem, is he has two segments he's trying to serve one is new players which i think we's which we i think we think is an objective good for bringing new people into the into the hobby right but then he's got these like uh you know people i guess who want to come into the store and they want to like do the thing you know what i'm saying they want to have their builds and they're and they're all and they're all revved up to come in here and do the thing i happen to know that he's running descent descent to avernus and they're like and they're super jazzed to play this thing and I mean, I guess they have nowhere else to play it, well, so they're going to inflict yeah. themselves on
2: our homie Fip here. I've experienced that in the Pathfinder realm where there's other people's, they can't get home games, and there's a reason they can't get home games. Uh, the type of player, you know, they're, it's all about them, and sometimes there's, you know, that's just the way it happens sometimes in the hobby, but... I think, he, yeah, he's in a bit of a bind there because he's he's got to serve
3: the customer. Yeah, that's that seems really difficult. The only thing I can think of is, like, you're basically going to have to kind of turn up the difficulty for those players. <laughs>
2: problem yeah, is, the problem like is, 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 run... the, is then the new players get drug into that.
3: Well, I mean, mm-hmm. just kind of – you have to almost have two different
1: – Yeah, it's almost like you're running two separate campaigns in the same campaign. You know, like you have to run one difficulty for these guys, but, you know – like having a kids pool and a adult pool.
2: The Ashley, that's a fantastic idea. Is maybe that's what he needs to do is say, I need a beginner game and I need a veteran game. I'm gonna run two different games at two different times and this game's for you guys, this game's for you, you know, and just separate out separate the streams.
1: Yeah, I think that there is something to be said for people, like, to have vets in the game, you know, like, so that you can kind of help along the yeah, well, there's newcomers. Certain vets, but there's certain when you've vets, vets that,
2: are, that take to that, like mm-hmm. the mentoring, teaching type, and there's other people that they're, that's just not in them. They're, mm-hmm. A, they're not interested in A, or B, sometimes they're not capable, or C,
1: both. There's sometimes when you get to a certain level, it's hard to bring it back to remember what it was like to just start out, you know. So um, it sounds like these people might not be the ones to put into a game with beginners, but it also sounds like he might not have a choice. It sounds like it was kind of thrust upon him.
3: Um, I mean, I still think a conversation with those people on on the side, I know that's probably not going to work, but I think at least attempt to do so.
0: Might as well be talking to a head of lettuce, bro. They ain't going to hear you. (laughs) I got you. They they don't know. They they can't hear it. These are the kind of guys, they showed up at the store of sweatpants. I know they did. (laughs) 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 I mean, I don't really know that, but I know in my heart, okay? I mean, uh, they're just there in their sweatpants so and they're I, eating cheese whiz. So and they don't give a shit. So,
2: Brendan, you're telling me I don't have to keep my jaded attitudes out of this podcast?
0: What? <laughs> you know, really, you, have you know, not what, listened, William? You keep asking me these questions. <laughs> well, it's as just, though you like, don't listen to this podcast. was my understanding? You were I, a big fan of the I, show. I, I am
2: a big fan of the show. I'm just afraid. Do you listen I, to whatever? I'm afraid of my own opinions, dude. I don't know oh, what to say. You're, well, I don't well, want to release. All I, right. I, you know, I don't want
0: to. I don't want to slay the gorilla. Oh, yeah, I can't say yes, like the gorilla is right in front of us. Um, yeah, so my take is very similar to what everybody else has been saying. Um, I, I feel like uh, our, our home homie Fip is in a real pickle here because at the end of the day, he has to serve the best interest of the store. Uh, I think Ashley's got the 100% right idea, which is that the best thing to do is really to kind of segregate these two sets of players. Now, as Ashley, you said... If he can find a way to recruit one of them to be like, you're my special helper and exactly. your job is to teach and your job is to be there to like for them to be like a, they can lean on you and they can ask you questions and stuff. That That is traditionally one of the ways that I have kind of like brought the power gamers over to my side, you mm-hmm. know, is by kind of like because this is one of the things that Mark D.S. Truman and I were talking about is that part of like you know, holding environment theory is this concept of like authority like. Authority, like where does it come from? Like, how does power move around the table in these kind of like micro environments? And um there is a certain kind of player that's going to respond to that. And a real, in a, in the, I mean, they're there to live out this power fantasy. And if like you can make their power fantasy a power reality of like, of like, oh hey cheesy guy, you're my special helper, and you're like, you and I are in together, dude. Then there's a possibility you can bring them over to your mm-hmm. side. However, my my. I, me, being who I am, I feel like that's a lost cause. I feel like this game is either just going to devolve into hurt feelings and you're basically going to wash out all your beginners, or you, you you can make a choice and you can wash out all the grognards by saying, oh, we didn't put it in the Facebook uh, invite right, and this is a beginner game. This is for the beginners. We can't really be having people coming in here and doing this. Now, if you want to play like a beginner and maybe slide like a pre-generated character over to them, you know, <laughs> non-optimized, slowly... Then they get to make a decision about, well, what is my experience that I want to have. But other than that, homie, I mean, really, when it comes just right down to brass tacks, I feel like you're fucked. So, sorry, uh, RIP, your uh, fun time running uh, D&D 5. Uh, do, do hit us up and let us know how it's going, at least for our amusement, because this was hilarious. All right, so... Uh, here we go. We're gonna just do real quick, real roundtable. We're gonna kind of discuss like a hot button issue in the area of role playing. So, um, at this point, I feel like you must—you'd have to be like living under a rock to not know that the employees of Kickstarter have attempted to form a union they've attempted to unionize and they've actually met with some resistance some pretty stiff resistance from the ownership and the management of Kickstarter itself and they've kind of started a little like brush war in the um, online kind of like news community actual union that that has formed has asked uh, people who are involved in the in the kickstarter community on all levels to just sort of acknowledge them and to sort of help kind of boost their signal a little bit and so so knowing who I am I'm un, uh, just unable to to step down from the soapbox. I just wanted to use the signal that uh, Fuil RPG has and to state my personal, my personal um, support, of the unionization efforts at Kickstarter, my support of the union uh, and to say shame on those union busting motherfuckers in management at Kickstarter. What the fuck is that about? Uh, the full timeline on this is that uh, Kickstarter is a public benefits corporation and the way that they like to frame themselves as being a public benefits corporation in the um, missives that they have sent out to the media is that there's lots of little perks for the people who work there and that's all very nice and well and good but when when your employees say that they want to unionize, and then you start union busting them, and then you start saying that you are going to have to go through the National Labor Review Board that's run by Trump and a kleptocrat of the highest degree. If that makes you want to quit listening to the podcast, then fine, fuck you. Please never, <laughs> please go away, never come back. Then, then I have to say, what public benefit are you if you cannot if you cannot listen to your employees on that that basic level? It's my it's my personal belief, not the beliefs of the show or the 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 committee of people that make up the body of the show. But it's my personal belief that in order for workers' rights to be protected, there must be a strong countervailing force against the interests of ownership and the interests of management. I think anyone that has ever had a job where you had to sit down at an employee review and the, your manager your boss sat there and kind of straightened their tie and got this kind of grim look on their face like they're about to tell you that you have cancer and they're like, well, you know, well, now we'll talk about your performance. Right, We all know that every day that we go into jobs, jobs leverage the power of the corporation against us. And we have to have, as workers, an organization that will leverage our collective power against the corporation. We have to. Anytime somebody says, I don't want a union negotiating for me, do you really want to negotiate by yourself? Just you? Let me tell you what, the corporation ain't going to go out of business if you quit or get fired. But if you get fired for some bullshit which, by the way, some people at Kickstarter have been, you could very easily be out on your ass because you can't pay rent. Workers of the world unite, blah, blah, blah. I, Brendan and support the 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 workers that are trying to unionize, regardless of the fact that they work in an office, regardless of the fact that they apparently have very cush lives. Uh, if those workers want to organize, then I say, by all means, let them. And the fact is that Kickstarter... Uh, I find it dubious. I find it dubious for them to say, our workers have such great lives, yet we won't let them organize. If their lives are so great, if they have no reason to complain, then what is it that you have to fear? Um, That is my question to them. And that question remains unanswered because certainly I don't think anybody just sits at home and thinks, oh, you know, what? I need a new hobby. I'm going to start a union and get fired. But really, does anybody have anything that they want to say in contra to that? Because I know that I mean, I, we live in fucking Arizona. So right to work state. The unions don't have a lot of friends around here. So I understand if there's people who want to express a countervailing viewpoint. No? Yes? My Mr. Buzzkill? I, I wouldn't say
3: countervailing, but I've kind of seen what the unions, well, and the corporations. I'm going to give, everybody has a piece of this, but the, the Rust Belt, that's where I come from. I, I lived in Indiana for the majority, of the first half of my life. And I definitely believe that there were forces outside of either of those that were moving a lot of the work out of there anyways. But I think unions have done a a lot of great things, workers' rights. And I think I believe in the Constitution, so I believe in the right to assemble and the right to free speech. So go for it. But I think it's kind of shitty that anybody would want to, like, prevent people from forming their uh, club and, and, you know, trying to deal with uh, people collectively i've been called the worst negotiator of all time by my <laughs> by a b- former boss so uh that was p- pretty funny uh, but i also kind of think that unions can have bad attitudes i think unions can instill terrible attitudes at work and can uh uh lead to terrible places to work and highly just in the work environment if i If I'm in a union shop and I touch a tool and I'm not someone that's allowed to touch that tool, I get in trouble. And I find that to be highly counterproductive for a workplace. I understand not replacing people's jobs. I get that. But I also think if I'm an engineer or somebody that's supposed to be doing a job, that I should have the right to do what I need to do, too. So that would be my slight counterpoint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What I think is interesting about this one is the fact that um, unions, historically speaking, when you're thinking of a union, it's like for the 40 hour work week or, Hey, please don't lock doors while we're in there. So we don't die in fires and things like that, you know? So um, everything I've read about this, isn't that the working conditions are awful. Um, It's what they want Kickstarter to be able to do and where they want them to go. Um, They just want a seat at the table to make sure that their opinions are heard and, uh, to further what Kickstarter says they do, is instead of just being held accountable to society or whatever it was that they said, what you were saying, Brendan. Um, but they, they need to be able to hold themselves accountable to their employees as well, is what I have read. So um, I'm for it. I'm, I think it's a good thing. But anytime you get a group of people together in any sort of power structure, there's going to be shit.
2: Exactly. That's so many things to say. And to riff off what Ashley said, it's 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 you know, it's about power. And I've been in the corporate world for 30 plus years working and they don't like to share power. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with uh, Richie as far as uh, unions have basically take on their own life and own management structure within the union and it starts to get away from its original intended purpose. And if you're in a good company that's managed well, you don't need a union. But again, my working experience, there's not that many. There are those companies out there, but there's not that many. And the power dynamic is such that when you're listened to, it's more of it's more of a glad handing, or you know, it's it's not really listening. It's the a pat on the head, Mm -hmm. uh, and that we care about you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, I think in this case, it's like I support their efforts to unionize. Uh, You know, it's interesting to hear some of the things that that have gone that have been said by both sides. You know, I think. Again, I think at some point, especially you know, in in a few decades ago, as as Richie pointed out, in the Midwest, there's the unions took on a power of their own and, and started to hurt some competitive. And and one of the factors that led to a lot, a lot of offshoring of jobs, and there were other, obviously, profit motives that led to that as well. But I feel like the pendulum sung way too much to the other side to now that basically the labor movement has been under attack for 30 years since the Reagan administration. And uh, it's been going, you know, union memberships. So there's been just a lot of anti-union uh, laws in states under the guise of right to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, have been put forth, and it
3: just it just feels like again the pendulums just swung too far. So I think the real question is if Kickstarter United says tomorrow I want you to I want creators and users to boycott boycott. They have so far said mm-hmm, we do right. not want that. We want this is a place we want to work. This is a place we have people that we care about. So we do not feel that it's at this time to boycott if they said tomorrow they're going to boycott what does that and and there's a lot of very liberal creators that will go ahead and and boycott kickstarter there are a lot of liberal uh and and it's sympathetic there's a lot of sympathetic people out there that will do so what does that do to the role-playing game community and this kind of content uh treadmill Mm -hmm. that the what i like to call the golden age of of RPGs, what does that do? How does that affect what our hobby? And that's I think where this uh rambling uh political <laughs> <laughs> uh round table is going. So what what do you what do you say, uh, actually
1: One of the things that I saw was a bunch of Kickstarter creators uh signed on to a letter um saying where they stood with it and throwing in support for Kickstarter United. And one of those was um Greg Stolzey and he was the first uh, the first creator to use Kickstarter for an Mm -hmm. RPG. Mm -hmm. So um, his real quick, I'm just going to read what he said on there was um, I've been with Kickstarter almost from the start. He has over 40 projects. He was the first TTRPG creator to use the service. Um, it took a lot to move me from strong supporter to on the fence. If these labor issues can shift me, how much more will they impact pledgers with less of an attachment to the site? So um, he's kind of the first person to really use Kickstarter for the RPGs, like which is how I think a lot of people get them now. You know, there's a lot of creators who will put their stuff on Kickstarter to get it out there. So um, for him to be the first one and for him to be like, yeah, no, I fully throw in my support with this.
3: Well, I, I think there's a lot. I mean, pretty much every designer I follow has said, yeah, this is this. We would we would stop. Yeah, I you know even uh, Christopher Gray is running a Kickstarter yes. right now that is basically about playing a being in a union. Yeah, that's literally the concept of the game, which I backed because I love all his games and I oh, yeah. and I, I think it's a it's it's a worthy message to talk about. I, yeah. I'm glad that we're talking about mm-hmm. it, but yeah,
2: I agree, and I'm glad you brought us back to the you know the subject and uh, Richard as far as. How does this affect the community? How does it affect role-playing games? Uh, to me, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of, like, as you say, there's a lot of liberal creators, a lot of liberal players that are, that are going to honor any requests for boycott. Uh, there's also the people that uh, this doesn't directly affect me, so I don't care, so I'm going to continue to do what I want because this doesn't affect me. Uh, so there'll be a bit of a split. I think so. It'll be a, a little bit, slightly a chilling effect on the creative. However, it, your friend Alan Barr from Gallant Night Games, he's doing something on uh, Drive RPG right now. Where basically they're they're putting forth an ashcan version of a game uh, to play test buy into it for $7 and then basically if you do this now when the game is fully developed, you get a copy of that game. So it's, it's not Kickstarter, but it's something, it's a different uh, vehicle that acts like that. You're not getting all these stretch goals and everything else and we can debate amongst ourselves. If we wanted the the virtue and, and validity and, and usefulness of all those stretch goals to me personally I feel like that's gone overhead, o- o- you know, it's overblown and and, and some some of, some of the money that's put into these Kickstarters seems like well I'll just put that into the game thanks. But anyway, that's that's a different you know. So there there are different you know. Kickstarter is a great thing, but it's there are
0: other ways. Well, I mean, Kickstarter has been a great thing. It has been a great thing, but I think that we've all we've all already kind of experienced a little bit of like Kickstarter weariness, and I think that we've also seen Kickstarter co-opted by. Uh the great big corporations that really have seen Kickstarter. I shouldn't say big, great big corporations because in, in role-playing games, there aren't really great big corporations. The biggest one is D&D, which is Hasbro, but like, uh, and and they haven't been on Kickstarter. But we've we've seen a lot of companies that don't have any reason to be on Kickstarter being on Kickstarter, uh, generating tons and tons of money and basically just using it as a uh, pre-order platform. And that's not what it was designed for. That wasn't what it was intended for. And let's face it, the guys at the top rungs of Kickstarter make a lot of money on that. And uh, for them to be like... To, to have seen their, their own platform kind of pivot in the way that it works, to be benefiting greatly from it, and then to sort of like deny these workers the ability to essentially create like the, uh, a, a unified voice in how decisions are made at their own at their own workplace. I mean, I think that that says a lot about what's going on there. Um, so so I mean I for one, there's a number of projects that are currently on Kickstarter that I will if, if the union does ask for a strike, Does ask for a a, a line to be drawn and for us not to cross it. I'll be disappointed because there's a bunch of stuff that I want to back on Kickstarter and I want to support, but I will pull all my pledges if the if the union asks. I'll pull them all immediately.
3: And I I think that's a fair uh, fair cop. I mean, like I I will be at that point. I will be uh, struggling as to whether which ones. Or all of them I would be and I only have a few right at the moment so yeah I only have a couple uh, I I'm not particularly and, and I don't need any more games like let's be honest like <sighs> as much yeah, as I want as much yeah. as I want more games I don't need them Well I mean so. now we're
0: getting into like what well, crazy what the, talk are you well, it, it's <laughs> kind of like what's the now we're getting into issues of like need versus want in the yeah. game community etc um I think it's also important to kind of note and again if this has been covered I apologize but um Kickstarter is a tech company, and currently, and some of the reading that I've done, unionization has not moved into the tech world. Mm-mm. Okay, and so I think one of the reasons I suspect one of the reasons why um, Kickstarter is fighting it so hard is because they know that if I mean maybe maybe working what we've heard from the Kickstarter employees who've been fired, union busted, um, is that it's a great place to work that they really enjoyed it. But I think that the reason that Kickstarter is fighting it so hard is because they know that that's the first domino. Mm-hmm. And that if they just if they don't put up a fight, then all of a sudden, the idea of unionizing tech workers will move through the industry and it'll end up in Silicon Valley. And we've been hearing about fucking video game developers who sleep under their desks for fucking 10 years already. That is a... I mean, I'm surprised
3: pro- more programmers aren't trying to do that.
0: I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not in but, this in today's day and age. I mean, right, well, tech but,
3: people, engineers, programmers
2: that we're we're a little bit. I'm an engineer by profession. We're a little bit more cats. We're sort of solo. We're not we're not pack animals usually. So that's part of it. It's part of the culture. Part of the personality, generally
3: speaking. But there are union engineers and union designers. Out there in the world, but it didn't really it didn't really become a trend,
0: and that's you know. I, but I could see that in the tech world, though. I, so. I think that there is this Silicon Valley uh, mythology. That we're still living in where it's like, oh, man, these guys are utopians. They're creating these amazing workplaces that have ball pits and volleyball courts and yoga hour. And we're supposed to think that that's like a fair trade for like an 80 hour work week and emails on Saturday and calls on Friday night at 9 p.m. And and this is those are the issues that the labor movement was designed to confront, right. which is what are the boundaries between your life and uh, the profitability of a corporation? And are you just a cog that's designed to be well, used that in and safety? I mean, well, that's, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, that, that's part of the boundary. Is, does, does, is right. my body voluble? Can, like, do I have to sell my body to the corporation?
1: Exactly. Like in the past, it might have been things like not getting your arms cut off, your fingers, things like that. And right now it's work-life balance. Are people going to just drop dead of a heart attack or some other stress-related something because they're working 80 hours plus a week and they're just writing them so hard? I have a friend who does video game testing. Mm -hmm. And when there's a new game coming out, this person is seven days a week, you know, just constant.
0: See? And the tech industry does not want that to spread. They don't want that. And And so they very wisely, from their point of view, are drawing the battle lines way up in the front. Way up in the front because they know if they give in to the, oh yeah these guys over here who get like a bike stipend uh whatever who cares they're happy anyway then all of a sudden you'll have guys at EA or who are like you mean I can unionize and I don't have to sleep under my desk and I can actually see my wife on holidays and shit and I don't have to fucking drink my lanta right out of the bottle and you know and 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 let's face it in in today's day and age this is what we need the union. This is what we need the, 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 the workers' movement for. And to, so, so for people to create this kind of like false dichotomy of like, oh, well, tech workers aren't like out in the field sweating in the sun and they're not like putting their hands into giant cogs to get ground up. They don't deserve a union. It's like everyone, this is why I say to everyone, if you have a boss, then you deserve a union. If you have a boss who's going to sit there and leverage power of the company against you, then you deserve a union so you can leverage the power of collective work against the company. Because they they sure as shit will leverage it against you every fucking time they have an opportunity. Every fucking time. Anyway, enough of my communist pinko bullshit. Um, <laughs> Wave we, a flag, why don't you? <laughs> huh? Did we, did we have anything else we needed to cover here, guys?
3: Uh, I think that was good. I mean, I think we're going to... Save some content for later.
0: Let's save some content for later, guys. Let's have let's have another one of these shows eventually. Yeah. Hey, uh, Richie Buzzkill Patreon. Oh yeah, let's. We uh, should c- do the Patreon. But b- come what? over
3: to Patreon and get your question read uh, by us, and have a serious. We'll have a serious discussion about your question, like uh, frustrated in Phoenix. Hmm. Fip, a- <sighs> and you. We, we will use anonymous names. So. You know,
0: I don't know we, why you just didn't make it frustrated at Phoenix, and then we could have just had a whole joke about <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> you, opportunities lost, FIP.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so come over there, and we're gonna we're still we're gonna be retooling the, the Patreon to make it more uh, attractive soon. So whenever we can get around to that, we we're glad to have you. That without the Patreons, I don't think we'd be doing this as often as we do it now right right so we appreciate you a lot and then uh come interact with us on uh facebook we just i just i just dropped a uh a question on there and we got some crazy responses oh yeah from all sorts of people uh so come see us our uh, full metal rpg on facebook and the insta as as brendan will say uh, over there, so is that disappointing. What I, is that what I say, <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, Well, the not answer. on the, not on the podcast, but you oh. have said it. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram, Full Metal RPG. We have a lot of fun over there. If if you want to interact with us more directly, uh, you can drop us a line at fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail and then uh, oh, if we, you if want to hang out in our chat room at uh, tinyurl.com slash fullmetaldiscord, and uh, we. I hang out there a lot, so uh, if you want to, you know, directly question any, most of us, you can. I, get to I us.
0: need to install that on my work computer so I can be on there more yeah. often. <laughs> be the best, <laughs> um, yeah, So yeah.
3: That's uh, I think I think that's. The did show. we
0: mention exalted funeral? Oh, our we homies at exalted funeral oh. don't not do not forget about our homies at exalted funeral. Those guys are the best. Matt Kelly just uh, just dropped a serious um, endorsement to uh, Full Metal RPG, and he and he. Uh, he said some, he said some nice things about us and about Ravenous, and uh, so of course, you know, we would always direct you, like our friend Ashley here, to go to uh, Exalted Funeral and uh, you know purchase your independent role playing games, your occult esoterica, your like metal tapes, etc. from Exalted Funeral. Matt's a great guy; they're doing great work. Uh, the community that he's built is amazing. We love Exalted Funeral; they're very kind to us. Um, thank you, Exalted Funeral, for your patronage. Uh, and then uh, I guess that's about it. Thank. You. What, what, what you got? What you got, Buzz? What you got, Buzzkill? Let Ashley plug her show. Oh, plug your show, Ashley. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ! What are you waiting for? An engraved invitation?
1: Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Um yeah. I. You can listen to me more on memory Alpha if you um, look at us. On Facebook or Instagram, um, we are on Twitter. Lame, I know. Weird. and uh, or any podcast app that you're on, um, mammaryalpha.com. Blah blah blah. I play Penny. I'm a Vulcan. Go listen to us there.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you everybody for joining us for another rousing episode of Full Mill RPG. It's my it's my sincere hope that this has given you some food for thought, and that uh, tomorrow when you're just standing around the the water cooler, you'll be like. Union, union. And then you'll just walk into your boss's office. You'll, like, put on your Bane mask. You'll pull your baseball bat out of your fucking backpack and you'll be like, fucking deal with me, bro. I would encourage you to think not, more deeply not,
2: about that not, before not you do that. that. I would but, suggest uh, you actually no.
0: doing that. But if you did, <laughs> you anyway, You could, you could, uh, you could write me while we're in prison and <laughs> <anything>. <laughs> All right anyway have a good night thanks for listening to my RPG bye